How many of you still know what books are? Oh, does anybody read books? Right? I'm in the middle of a, a, a murder mystery. A good friend of mine, Mark Atterbury, just got a, a book published, A Murder Mystery, and so I'm deeply engrossed uh, into that. Uh, but last week, before I started this one, I was reading a book about Henry Ford. Anybody remember Henry Ford? All right, you ready? It was an autobiography. You know, I haven't talked a lot about my brother, but my brother Jerry and I had a lot of sibling rivalries when we were growing up. And he's five years younger than me, but he's six foot two. Really ticks me off. And um, <clears throat> we were always trying to get each other to do it, do something. And I was trying to get him one day to swallow a match. All right. Now, listen, if I know there's some kids in here. Do not try this. All right. Do not try this. But I finally got him to do it. I'll tell you what. It was so fun to watch his face light up. <clears throat> Shall we preach? <clears throat> no. Acts chapter 20. Get your Bibles out. We've been preaching all our way through uh, the book of Acts. Today we come to a fun story, all right? It's only fun if your name is not Eutychus. Uh, there's a guy in the story named Eutychus. Eutychus is going to fall out of a window uh, while Paul's preaching, and he's going to die, right? I'm just giving you a little just cliff notes here. Uh, but the thing is, Eutychus, too, if you'd have fallen out of a window. All right. So here's where this takes place, all right? You know, uh, some of you are just getting there. Thank you for coming. All right. All right. So this is the, this is the ancient city of Troy, okay? You, if you read Homer, you know the Iliad, the Odyssey. You know about Helen, the face that launched a thousand ships. Uh, the war between the Greeks and the Trojans. And the thing about Troy, it has 12 or 14 levels. It was built, torn down, built, destroyed, built. And uh, somewhere in the middle of that is where the Trojan horse comes in. Uh, but this is the spot where Paul is, where this story takes place. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we will get to this. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Now Luke is writing this. This is Paul's best friend. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, Paul kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story, and he was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, Paul said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive, and they were greatly comforted. You can be seated. Now, there's a whole lot going on here. And I told Pastor Cord, I said, uh, I, I said, did you, did you read the text for today? And he said, yes. 
Uh, he said, and I know I'm going to get it. And I said, uh, only with your permission, because you see, one of us preaches longer than the other one. And I said, I said, well, here's, after studying this passage this week, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about. I said, but it seems to me that maybe the core message in this text is the fact that the, when Paul raises Eutychus from the dead, all, right, all the teaching is good. And these people that are gathered, they believe in Jesus. They believe in the cross. They believe in the resurrected Jesus. But when they see their own friend Eutychus dead on the ground, and then they see Paul, through the power of God, bring him back from the dead, that's a game changer. Yes? That the gospel's now going to go through Troy. It's going to roll through Greece because of this story. They know about Jesus, but now they've seen the story with their friend Eutychus. So I told Cord, you can preach as long as you want, as long as you raise somebody from the dead at the end of the service. <laughs> just, just being fair. All right. All right, back to our books. Uh, one of my kids, I can't remember because I have so many, but uh, they love the Velveteen Rabbit. Anybody remember that little book? Um, the Velveteen Rabbit's about this stuffed rabbit, and uh, the rabbit is written from the rabbit's perspective. And, and he's talking to friends about how to be loved. And, and at the end of the book, uh, the, the Velveteen Rabbit says, well, listen, until your furs rubbed off and you've lost an eye and you're all dirty and you're just kind of beaten up pretty bad he said it's only then that you find out how loved you are and i think for a lot of people we think that because i'm broken and bruised and messed up that god can't use me and the truth is all the stuff that's happened in your life has just set you up so god can use you because we get this idea that that people that certain people are just better than others. I mean, you think about in the Bible, you think about Abraham, and you go, oh, and you hear Paul, and you go, oh my gosh, Paul. What we know from history was Paul was probably five two. He was bald. He was a bad speaker. Yet he could write pretty well under the power of God's spirit. So. We have these idea that these guys were superheroes. There's only one superhero, my friends. His name is Jesus. All right? And all the rest of us are just real people. And people come to church and they're like, my gosh, look at this room. All these perfect people. And then there's me. Would you raise your hand if you're messed up? All right, there was one guy that didn't and his wife was like. <clears throat> Listen. Listen, we're all broken, bruised people, but I want you to listen to the positive to this. Because we're real people, God can use us. God can't use phoniness. So what I love about the story is Luke making fun of Paul. Who makes fun of the Apostle Paul? He wrote half of your New Testament. Half of the word of God that's been used to transform the world and for millions and billions of people to find Jesus. And Luke says, the dude won't shut up. <laughs> he goes on and on. And you want to know when it started? It started at dinner 
Whenever dinner was, four or five at night, he's still teaching at midnight when the guy falls out the window. After he brings him back to life, he goes back and he teaches through breakfast. I'm tired. And Luke was tired. How many times has Luke heard Paul tell this same story? Not that it's not wonderful, but I love the humanity of the story. Luke's like, yeah, then he went on and on through breakfast. All right, the word, the word that is used in Greek literally means he was stealing my life. All right, he was stealing my time. All right, now, again, do I think Luke didn't think the message was good? Not for a minute. But I think what you see in this passage is the realness of Luke and the realness of Paul. And can I tell you, your friends don't need to see you as superstars. I'm not suggesting we go out and say, well, I can show you how to sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying they need to know that you're just like them. You hurt. You have struggles. We have marriage problems. We have parenting problems. We have finance problems. We go through everything that everybody else does. Because even I think sometimes on stage, you look at people up here and you're like, oh my gosh, those people have it all together. You should come backstage with us. We're all dealing with the very same thing. And what the world needs is realness. They don't need us yelling and screaming at them. They need us befriending them. They need us coming along beside them and spending time with them. And in a very real sense, that's what Paul was doing, even though Luke gives him a hard time. Where's Paul? He's just sitting in a guy's house. He's sitting in a guy's house having dinner and connecting with these people. Romans 12, Paul said it this way. Love must be... How about real? Would that word work there? Love must be real. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. You know what? The world spots phonies in a second. All right? And they're, and they're quick to point it out. And when my non-Christian friends point things out like that, I say, yeah, you know, that kind of gives us all a bad rap, doesn't it? And the only way I can overcome that is just trying to be real with them. And, and just build relationships and, and friendships with people. Those are the kind of connections that you and I have to build. And it's okay. It's okay that they see our, our past struggles and our battles that we deal with because that's part of being real. And then they had a real breakfast. Now this is, just stick with me, all right? This is just some, I think, very practical, all right? Because this is the Word of God. Right? This is the holy word of God that's going to go all over the world for all time and for all of history. And we could have just gone right to the facts. Why do I need a story about breakfast? Because the breakfast was part of being real. See... I don't know too many people that want to go to counseling. By the time you say, I want to go to counseling, you're probably, I've been there. You're in pretty serious shape. Okay, I'm out of options. I need to go talk to somebody. I'm out of options. I better go get some help. But most people will go to breakfast with you. Most people will go to lunch with you. Most people will have a cup of coffee with you. Because that shows that you're real. You don't have to come in with a counseling book. You come in with an open heart and you care about people. 
And again, as I look at this story, there's two meals. They have dinner together. And they probably had the Lord's Supper. There's some discussion there. They, they did get together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we just did. But they had dinner together and they had breakfast together. And they'll never forget. They might even forget what Paul taught some of them. But they'll never forget. Man, I, you know what? I was at Paul and I had toast together. They're not going to forget that. Because that is an inter- it wasn't a lecture, it was an interaction. It was family time. It was real stuff. First Peter says, finally, all of us live in harmony with one another. It's awful hard to not be in connection with people when you're having breakfast with them, when you're having dinner with them. Just connecting with people. I've told you before, for me, it's a ball game. Because if I take people to a baseball game or a football game, hockey game, it doesn't matter what it is. But when I, when I take people there and you're sitting straight ahead, it's amazing the conversations people will have with you. Because people are loaded with burdens, including all of us. And usually when you get in that situation, you say, you know what, I've been struggling with that too. And through that relationship of being real with one another... And spending that, maybe you're eating a bag of peanuts and drinking some lemonade together. But through that connection, that's where you become real to each other. That's where you become real to, to other people. I, I like, this is, I'm not pumping up Tom Brady, but Tom's got a lot of problems right now. But, but Tom said that one of the things that made him successful, and I like this, is that he's able to process a lot of information quickly. And I think when you and I spend time with people, that's exactly what happens. We get more information. You, you pass in the hallway, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to shake your hand. We may get to exchange a few words. But if we go have coffee together, now there'll be time to process information. Oh, I... Now I understand. They're dealing with this at home and they've got this and and grandma's got this going on. All of a sudden we know each other and we become real. Isn't that what the world needs? That's why our small groups are so important. That's why any group is important. So that it's more than just getting talked to. Then we get to the, the money part. all right, And that's real life. So Paul's teaching, Luke's mocking him. And uh, whether Luke mocks him to his face or just in print, I don't know. You know, hey, Paul, check out what I just wrote about what you did tonight. I don't know, you know, I don't know if he did that or not. But the real message here that changed everything is that all that Paul's been talking about for the last 16 hours, he just trumped it when he brought Eutychus back from the dead. Again, this is Jesus' power. Don't think Paul did this. This is the power of Jesus working through Paul. And when Paul raises him from the dead, now tell me people aren't going to pay attention for this last six hours. Now they're going to pay attention. Because they knew about Jesus. They believed in Jesus. But now they've seen real life. Remember, Jesus, what did he come to do? To bring life. Jesus said, I came to bring life. He said, I am life. But he said, I came to bring life, John chapter 8, and to give you life more abundantly. Now that's been translated in today's society is that means you get more stuff. Now abundant life means that I have a life that transcends this one. 
I've got a life that goes way beyond what I drive and what I wear and where I live. I have an abundant life because this life is not all there is. And when Paul raises Eutychus from the dead, he proves that point clearly to everyone. Peter again. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. What's my faith worth? More than gold. Which perishes even though refined by fire. Your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The realness that plays out here. Real people, real breakfast. In real life. And there are people here that have not accepted Jesus yet. And you don't have that hope of eternal life. And I'll tell you what. I know what's coming. We are talking backstage. I was talking with one of our safe team members. And he said every time the economy gets tough, you can, you can bank on more uh, domestic problems. You can bank on more alcohol problems. You can bank on more suicides taking place. Because people lose hope. Because their hope is only in this world. Listen, they don't need somebody in a robe to come along beside them and be high and mighty and pious. What they need is somebody real who will buy them breakfast, buy them a cup of coffee and say, dude, I understand. Let's see what we can do together to work through these problems. Do you see the power in being real? That's what we're called to be. Joe DiMaggio, I love this story. It kills me to tell a Yankee story, but Joe, Joe DiMaggio, they asked him why he played so hard every game. And I love the quote. He said, because I never know if there's not a kid in the stands that's never seen me play before. And he said, that kid deserves my very best. Isn't that true for the kids we run in? Isn't that true for the people that we employ? Isn't that true with the people that we work with? That that's, that is the core of what we do? Let me finish. Let me finish with this. All right. This is the only story you're going to hear about the royal family in England. Because I quit caring about them in 1776. Okay? Um, I'm, I'm just saying... Just saying, I'm not trying to be mean, but but there is a point to be made here. Okay. When Queen Elizabeth died, when her heart beat the last heartbeat, instantly, Charles became king. the, The coronation's coming, the party's coming, the hoopla, the blah, 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 whatever it is they do, uh, in the midst of all that. Um, that's all coming. But the second her heart stopped, he became king. Do you understand that the second Jesus' heart stopped on that cross, you and I all had forgiveness of our sins. He had died for the whole world. So now, the only thing that remains is for Charles to take the throne. The only thing that remains is for us to accept what Jesus has done. For some of you, that means coming back to Jesus. For some of you, it means accepting Jesus. You hit that button, I've decided. Pastor John has already had two people this morning that have, have come to Christ. Um, 
two, two people online that are going to meet us down at Andy Romano Park at 6 o'clock tonight. And if you've not been baptized, you meet us down there. And for those of you that are worried about a little hurricane, uh, some of you are from up north. You don't understand. If there is not a four in the middle of that hurricane, we don't worry about it. Am I right, Floridians? If it's just a three, we'll baptize you a little quicker. We'll get you out. It's a... It's okay. <laughs> Listen, when Jesus died, the debt was paid for everybody. Now the question is, will I accept that forgiveness? There'll be folks up front to pray with you, answer questions, whatever you need. Let's pray together. God, thank you for a message about simplicity, about meeting in somebody's home having a Bible study, having dinner, having breakfast, letting a little bit of our fur get worn, becoming real with people, letting them see that we hurt too and that we struggle too. And we've lost an eye and we're not quite as sharp as we used to be. But Jesus is the answer and the hope of the world. So, Father, I ask through your spirit that you would draw men and women, whether they're in Deland, Palm Bay, Ormond, online, around the world somewhere, wherever they are, God, that your spirit would draw people to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.